Hey everyone, today is the second part of the interview I did with Andrew Keel. If you've not heard that, I would stop, go back and listen to that first, otherwise this won't make too much sense. Uh, we will pick up right where we left off. Uh, and, and also, as uh, always, if you do like the show, consider leaving a review and or sharing it with a friend. Um, I would be super grateful for that. So without further ado, please sit back, listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Mobile Home Park Minute. I'm your host, Tyson Cross, and in this show, we explore all things mobile home park investing. From just getting started and trying to figure things out, to the latest news and changes in the affordable housing sector, and everything in between. I hope this inspires you to be a more thoughtful, intentional, and successful investor in this space. So thanks for listening, and let's get into today's show. And that kind of takes me to that next topic or a good segue into, you know, I guess the market from a standpoint of value has changed dramatically in the last five years. And, um, you know, I think your focus on infill is, is the right one. I think a lot of people don't think about infill in the way that you should because it's difficult. Right. And, (laughs) and I think, um, (laughs) <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but no. dude, the, the old adage of like, oh, mobile home parks, they're just cash, cash cows. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And it's like, yeah, maybe in like 2010 when yeah. everyone wants this 10 cap, but talk a little bit about where the market's gone from maybe five to even like two years ago to where it yeah. is now. And like, you know, if you're talking to new investors or people thinking about getting this industry there's a lot of hype in this uh, all over the internet and, and certainly, you know, courses and things like that, but keeping it real, you know, what should people be thinking about getting into this space if they're thinking that, right? Yeah. So I think there definitely is more hype, uh, you know, around the industry and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because I think, you know, a lot of operators are coming in and fixing up properties and Mm -hmm. a lot of these properties have been owned by the same mom and pop owners for, you know, 50 years and they, they need, they have a lot of, you know, deferred maintenance and things that need to be improved on. So a new operator is able to come in and, and fix those things. So I, I think it's a good hopefully. thing for the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, but I, uh, the, the bigger operators mm-hmm. that I see do that, you know, they come mm-hmm. in, they fix the property up and they, they add value and it makes sense, right? Cause then your appraised value in the future is going to be worth more. So um, that, that's, that's what I've been seeing, you know, uh, but yeah, I, in terms of finding deals, you know, it is very competitive right now. And, you know, the brokers are, uh, I think overpricing a lot of these, uh, but at the same time they're selling them at those higher pricing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I, I don't take risks with my money or with my investors capital in those types of skeptical deals, you know, betting on the appreciation I'm just going off of the cash flow and mm-hmm. that's that's why I'll feel safe when the you know when the downturn comes. Yeah, um it's funny brokers can definitely overprice deals. I mean, <laughs> dude, I've been guilty of that at some t- at some point. But you know what's interesting too and I I I started recording a couple shows on like how to find deals because I think that's always like a big topic and everybody wants to go off market. They want to find deals direct to seller because there's this there's this idea that you're going to get a better deal. But what's funny is right now in the market we're in, 
I almost feel like some sellers are more, their pricing's even more egregious than like a broker. At least, a, you know, yeah. a broker can make sense of it and say, well, we can justify this. I mean, I've talked to some owners that are like, well, I want this. And then you ask them how they got it. Maybe they're looking at a comp that's not even comparable in any sense, yeah. you know? So that's an interesting point. Um, but back to the, the idea of 10 caps, I mean, you know, hopefully people are going in and adding value and, and in order to, to justify some, some of these high cost or high value purchases, we're, we're seeing a lot of rent increases mm-hmm. and thus that's caused a lot of controversy or a lot of, you know, maybe I think people are more aware of what's happening in this industry and people are starting to put, you know, pass regulations. I mean, California just passed statewide rent control. We had it earlier this year in like February or March. Um, how does that, like, how do you balance the fact of, okay, we're, we're private investors, we're business owners, and we have, you know, we have investors in your case that you're, you're paying money to, or you have to hit returns. And how do you balance that between going in and doing that effectively with that? And then, you know, not going in and, and gap, you know, raising the rent so incredibly high because it's this really tough balance, right? How do it you, is. how do you think about that? Yeah, no. So that weighs on me heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's trying to find a happy medium yeah. and you know, you, you need to research in due diligence. Hey, what is the market rents in this area? And then I think there's a, a big difference between, you know, what a lot of these mom and pop owners are charging and market. So I, I definitely think that, you know, rates need to increase mm-hmm. and it'll be better for the park as a whole and the maintenance of the park as a whole as rates increase. Uh, but there's also a happy medium. You know, some of these groups that come in and, and Jack rents up a hundred dollars a year, $200 a year. You know, I think that's a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I do think that rents are low and that they do need to increase across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting too. When you're talking to an owner who wants like a super high price, I mean, that's actually a conversation I've had. Is like, well, look, in order to justify this price, we have to raise rents by $150. Do you think that that's a fair thing to do to your residents? I mean, your nobody residence, wants yeah. to do that. But if you want this price, that's what has to happen. So yeah. how can we find a way that can you know can work for everybody? I mean, if you care about yep. your residents, let's figure this out that makes sense for everyone. Um, that's huge. Yeah, I, I saw this story. I think it was like two days ago. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, there was a deal in um, it was Colorado, I think. I'm trying to think, or no, it, I can't remember. It was in, I think that it was story. In Aspen. Yeah, the Aspen the deal. Yeah, they did a big Aspen. write-up in. Uh, I think it was the AP News. I think yeah. I read that article. Yeah, where she had a park that was like the last park outside of. Was it? It must have been one of those really high touristy, very expensive areas. Yep. And you know, developer was offering her like thirty million. Mm-hmm. And then they they sold it to the county for six and a half. Yeah, that's I mean, incredible. That's, and she still lives there. She yeah. lives in the in the park, and that's you know, I don't think a lot of people would do that. But kudos to her for yeah. you know having having pride and and helping out her uh, her tenants. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, that is, uh, that's, that's gotta be tough because most people wouldn't do that. You're right. I mean, especially people that buy for as business owners, like, I mean, yeah, it's an investment. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, 
Well, we're, man, time goes so fast on these things. What, uh, what's next for you guys? I mean, I, you guys have 16 parks that you've got under control. We do. Um, you've done that incredibly fast. What, uh, what's next for you guys? Are you going to keep expanding? Yeah, we're going to keep growing uh, in the short, you know, the near future here. Um, I'm about two weeks away from uh, having my second child. Good so I personally have kind of, you know, slowed down on some things uh, just until the end of the year. Uh, but we do have a, a couple deals in the pipeline that we're, we're kind of slow playing right now. Uh, you know, but into 2020, you know, we're hoping to go after bigger properties, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, you know, have obviously some good value add components to them and infill opportunities, but, you know, are over a hundred lots and, uh, would like to get into, you know, into bigger deals. That's one thing. A lot of our parks right now are around 50 to 60 lots and which is a good size. Uh, but you know, the same amount of work goes into, uh, you know, we have a park that's 119 lots. It's the same amount of work to, that goes into that park that goes into the, you know, the, the 31 lot mobile home park that we own. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's you know, in terms of an ongoing maintenance, obviously the infill process is different, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's some of our goals for next year. Cool. Are you guys, and on the infill, are you guys doing more rent to own? Are you guys doing, um, cash sales? What do you generally see in the parks that you've got? I mean, obviously market specific. Again. It's mark. Yeah, it's market specific. We have a few markets that every home we, we put in there sells for cash and then we have done a rent credit program in some of our other properties. Uh, it just depends on what the market will bear. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we try to really correlate our, our pro forma to that. Have you experienced with any tiny homes? I don't have any experience with that, but I okay. do have experience with some park models, mm-hmm. which we've advertised, uh, you know, in terms of like when we're selling them as tiny homes and it kind of piqued people's interest a little bit more when we just put that out there versus putting it out there as a park model, which people kind of assume is like an kind of goes with the RV class and, mm-hmm. you know, more of an RV park type of feel. So when we, when we put those up as tiny homes, we did have a increase in interest. Yeah. The park models are really, I think there's a trend towards smaller units. I mean, mm-hmm. one bedroom, a lot of single old, you know, elderly people or people mm-hmm. that are coming, um, you know, after kids leave and, and want to downsize, I think that trend is growing. And frankly, I think the smaller units are going to be better in the long mm-hmm. term. We have a park, there's three tiny homes in and people love them. It generally caters to the younger demographic though. Um, these particular ones are like, they have like a loft for sleeping. Oh, nice. So wouldn't want like a, you know, an elderly person climbing up there. Sure. But, but I think that's, I think that's the future is kind of moving to these smaller units. What about what's your, um, have you been following a lot of like the different, the dinner, like innovation in in housing, like homes, like there's some guys doing 3d printed homes. I mean, what's your, what do you think about like where the future that's going to be and how will that help affect us? Sure. Again, I think it's market specific. You know, I think like Portland, Oregon's a lot different than Upland, Indiana, mm-hmm. where, where we own parks. Um, and like Austin, Texas is a lot different than Mountain Home, Arkansas. Yeah. So I think it's market specific. And, uh, you know, I do think that, uh, you know, uh, more efficient living and, and people are, especially like retirees, like you were mentioning, older people that are downsizing, you know, they would like to travel 
And mm-hmm. in one of our parks, it's more of a, a retirement community. Uh, you know, they would rather live in a, a mobile home, you know, pay 200, 300 bucks a month in lot rent and only be there six months of the year, you know, mm-hmm. and they, the other six months they're traveling. And even for millennials, I think that's attractive. That's an attractive lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think that there's a trend and, and uh, you know, I think manufactured housing as a whole uh, will benefit from that. Yeah, totally. Well, awesome, man. I don't want to put you on the spot too bad, but do you have like a, um, like a, like a tip or some technology tip or website or thing that you use in your over like management? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of this stuff is you're doing remotely. I mean, you have people in on boots on the ground, but you're overseeing this remotely. Sure. What's like one thing you could throw out that may help somebody you know, who's, who's in this I got, situation. I have something that has saved me so much time. Perfect. Whoever uses this, I promise you, you may already use it. Uh, it's called Slack. It's a software system. Yeah. Uh, what we found is when we get on the phone with our on-site managers, uh, you know, we just end up talking and the, the conversation goes longer than it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found that we've just utilized Slack and it's like a messaging software and it, you can upload photos, videos. I mean, it's very useful. So we use that with all of our on-sites and it has saved us a tremendous amount of time uh, communicating with our, with our community managers. Yeah, that is a good tool. Can't you like do like different rooms too? So you could put like all your community managers in one group so they can like ask each other questions too? Yeah, they're all in the yeah. general channel and then we have cool. a channel for each park. And then there's an asset manager, myself, our vice president, and then our collections manager are in every channel along with the on-site. So it just makes things much smoother and more efficient. Cool. Yeah, that's a great tip. Anybody who's uh, thinking about a project management communication tool, that's a really good one. Well, Andrew, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. You're a busy guy. Uh, Any last words? And by the way, go to andrewkeel.com. You can get um, a... you can schedule a call with him too. This guy's super generous with his time. So he'll get on the phone with you. Yeah. Or check out uh, keelteam.com. That's our real estate investment site. It's K E E L T E A M.com. And you can set up a consult if you're interested in getting into the business or maybe, you know, JVing with someone that has more experience. Uh, I'd be happy to, to help out with that. Uh, uh, or if you're looking to invest passively, you know, we can chat about that as well. Awesome. Will you take care? Have a great uh, rest of the week and I'm sure we'll connect soon. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me again. All right, bud. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please share with a friend. And if you're feeling extra generous, go ahead and leave us a review. Also check out more info at tysondcross.com and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Take care.